Lion-Hearted. Fred walked into the college canteen swirling a long, fold-up black umbrella in lazy circles and everyone fell upon him. He was such a showboat, but this was melodramatic even by his standards. Guys, 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 Fred pacified them. It is not mine own. I discovered it. Which earned him another blast of scornful remarks. One did not discover umbrellas as if they were a new breed of butterfly. And if one did, one did not just waltz off with them. Ever the drama queen, Fred waved his hand at one of the naysayers. You must learn to abide your soul in patience, he chided her, explaining that he'd asked around, trying to locate its owner, to no avail. Why didn't he just leave it where he'd discovered it, someone asked him. With a view to discovering its ownership, I examined it, meticulously. But there was no indication. The jeers started again. Can a man have a minute, you unruly rabble, he cried, hoisted himself up on a chair for better vantage and bowed histrionically to the sound of new hoots. I opened it and saw that there was a return to sender message taped high up on the handle. So I have acquired it only temporarily with a view to return it to its rightful owner. You ass, Fred, was the general tenor of the remarks flung at him as everyone returned to their activities. Who will accompany me on my mission to return this estimable object into the safe hands of Mr. Bob Mackey of Two Motabhai Manor, White's Lane, Fred asked. Oi, yelped Tara, one hand covering her mouth as she chewed and swallowed rapidly. Did you say Bob Mackey? Is that his umbrella? That's a strange coincidence. You know him? Fred asked, his brows beetling as he peered down at her suspiciously from his exalted position. All eyes turned to Tara. I found his driving license last week. I returned it and the old man admitted he didn't drive anymore but liked to keep it as ID. He invited me in for a drink, gave me a beer, which remark was greeted with an appreciative hum and a long whistle. Everyone followed the sound of the whistle and RK received their stares as he drummed his long fingers on his moustache. My mum told me, he enunciated slowly, that she returned a wallet, found it at the supermarket, didn't have much money but had an old letter tucked inside, so she delivered it to that address. Was an old man, as you say, Tara. He invited her in and offered her a beer. He seemed lonely, she said. He already had his phone out and was making a call. Every eye and ear in the canteen was on him as he reminded his mum about the incident. On Fred's prompt, he asked, Was it a Bob Mackey? And they read her answer on his face. 
Tara mumbled sadly. I thought he was lonely too. Kept me talking a good half hour and plied me with beer. I've thought about him off and on but haven't made the time to go. She looked shamefaced. The canteen emptied out with everyone wandering off to their classes now that the mystery was solved. Only Fred, Tara, RK and Jay remained. And Pinky dragging a reluctant Leo with her. Fred hopped off his perch and they congregated around RK, his long fingers now drumming slowly on the table. Pinky sighed. It's such a sad story. A lonely old man, carefully including his address and possessions, he drops all over the city, hoping someone will return them and stay for a chat. We should do something. She looked at Leo, but he was shaking his head. You guys are too idealistic. Return the bloody umbrella, Fred. Have a beer or two if you want. Chat a while. Then forget about the old bugger. What are you going to do? Solve the whole world's problems? We've got enough of our own with the exams not far off. Do you really want to nursemaid an old man? Dribbling and toothless and stinking of stale food and talking only of 1985 or some such time long before any of us was born. Pinky glared at him, but he was unmoved. There was an uncomfortable silence while everyone searched their souls, till Jay hesitantly offered to go along with Fred to return the umbrella. Arke's fingers were spread out and silent on the tabletop, and the girls looked crestfallen. Suddenly, Tara clapped her hands and came out with a crazy suggestion. I know what, let's throw him a party, she said. And just like that, it was on, despite Leo's evident disgust. Pinky said she'd bake him some cupcakes. Tara said she'd talk to her mum about some healthy cooked food. Fred and Jay offered to pitch in with a few magazines and board games. RK said he'd consult his mum. She might have some bright idea since she'd been there. Sentimental fools, swore Leo. How long are you going to provide him with cakes and comfort? But the next day, they were all standing outside Motabai Manor, Leo included, gaping up at the building and wondering what the heck they were getting themselves into. Fred moved first, swinging the umbrella and bounding up the three steps to the foyer and the rest trooped in behind him, Leo bringing up the rear. It was an upmarket area and a good building, so money was evidently not one of Bob's problems. They rang the doorbell. Tara stood in front since she'd already met him, and the rest waited politely while she and Fred explained they'd come to throw him a surprise party. He looked suspicious and hesitant, at first, and they belatedly realized how intimidating they must seem. Six of them, all young and strapping and enthusiastic, and he frail and a bit sunken into himself. So they offered their gifts and suggested they drop by some other time when it was more convenient. But Bob pulled himself together and insisted they come in. It was a long time since he'd had a party at home and they must excuse his hospitality if it was a bit rusty. But please, come in. Beers were offered, which made him very popular indeed. 
Fred ceremoniously returned the umbrella and everyone stepped forward with their gifts and Bob was embarrassed but obviously thrilled. The cupcakes were shared with everyone and some chocolate biscuits he brought out from his kitchen. And in a few minutes, her party really was on. Leo hung back and watched the proceedings with a critical eye. The rest of them were jabbering on about the latest cricket series and Bob got heatedly into that discussion. Politicians came in for their share of the stick, of course. The college profs got their ticks and crosses of approval and disdain with Bob vowing that in his day, they'd been too damn tough and he was sure things were much easier now what with computers and things they didn't have back in the day. That didn't go too well for him and he put up his hands in mock surrender at the full-spirited attack. The hour passed swiftly and R.K. insisted, later admitting his mum had drilled him, that they clean up their mess before they left. They set to work and with six pairs of strong young hands, they had everything ship-shape in minutes, probably even a bit shipper and shaper than it was when they came in. They left noisily and cheerfully and as they clattered away down the stairs, Bob was left standing there with his hand on the door, thinking how wonderful that had just been. He was turning around to sit back down in his now hauntingly empty living room when the doorbell rang again. He opened it sharply and peered out at a young man in the corridor. I wonder... Do you think it might be okay if I dropped in again sometime? I noticed that chess trophy on the side table and I'd appreciate a few pointers to sharpen my game. Would you be willing to help me with that? He looked steadily into Bob's eyes and a secret pact was entered into silently and instantly between the two men that it never be brought up who was really helping whom. Bob assured him he'd be willing. And they shook hands. Then I'll be in touch. See you soon. And the young man turned on his heel, calling out over his shoulder. I'm Leo, by the way. <laughs>